It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. I do not understand this football name in America. How how many of kicks is there in the football game? Six kicks? I'm going to say it once and hopefully I'm wrong, but it's a disaster waiting to happen. I love all of those things with the piggy skin and the men running around. So much screams and then a toss and then everyone is in a large, large hill. A star is born in the NFL. I like the moxie, but I, more importantly, I like the poise and the noise. Oh, what are you doing? You gotta be paping me! It's Jonathan Elway. He was so sassy and cool and hey guys, I'm a cowboy. Bang, bang, sling, sling, toss, toss. I'm going to lose all the time. And then I win and then he leaves as he wins. You cannot beat this. From Munich, Germany, the Broncos and Bratwurst podcast with Kevin Gilligan. Yes, I'm Kevin Gilligan, born and raised in Denver, Colorado, lifelong Broncos fan. I recently moved to Munich, Germany, but as they say, distance makes the heart grow fonder, and so I still love them and love talking about them, even though it's from across the pond. What's up, Broncos fans? Here I am yet again for a Monday morning podcast. Uh, at least it's Monday morning here, probably Monday morning when you're listening sometime during the week. We're still a few weeks away from the NFL draft, and there's not a lot of news going on in Broncos country or really in the NFL at all. Um, there's big things happening in the sports world, of course. You have the March Madness NCAA tournament. Um, baseball is going in full roar at the moment, and the Rockies are fully terrible so far. We're going to talk about how their problems might relate to the Broncos a bit, and also a bit of a story with the Denver Nuggets and how they rested their players 
against a team that could potentially move into the third spot rather than the fourth. And just kind of the idea of how that scheming, you know, the idea of is it ever good to rest your players? Is it ever good to try to lose? And it's something you never would think you'd ever have to say in sports, but apparently you do. The the Denver Nuggets, by for all intents and purposes, they absolutely tried to lose the game last night and succeeded in doing so. They didn't just want to rest their players. It seems apparent that they were trying to not win in order that Portland can win out and the, the Nuggets would eventually get a better opponent in the first or second round of the NBA playoffs. Pretty unusual stuff going on in Denver. So we'll talk about that a little bit later and how that might affect you know, the Broncos or how that, you know, is something we can, you know, kind of relate to the Broncos because yeah, again, there's not a whole lot of Broncos news going on. Does anyone have any Broncos news? I mean, I guess the the big stuff right now is Chris Harris Jr. is, is didn't report to the off season, you know, um, the voluntary uh, workouts to me, it's, I mean, it doesn't really matter. I think people are, some people make a big deal of it. Some people don't. I think it's a guy who's saying, yeah, you know, hey, I want my money. And Elway's saying, hey, yeah, well, we'll see. I, I think Elway's not even sure who he's going to draft. So he doesn't want to give big money to a 30-year-old cornerback before he might, you know, heck, who knows, maybe he'll draft a cornerback in the first round. And so I think it makes sense what Elway's doing. But I get it also from Harris's side that Harris Jr. is a guy who's been on a team-friendly contract for for several years. He's He's been a big part, part, a big part of the franchise. And and he's a guy who will probably be a ring of famer. Um, he's one of the best cornerbacks to play in the last whew, six, seven years. And, of course, he helped lead them to a Super Bowl back in 2015. So he's a guy who deserves it. He should get paid. I think he probably will get paid. Um, but as we've seen many times with Elway, he's not a guy who is emotionally attached to, to players. I think that he's not someone who's going to just sign him because he likes him or because the fans like him, he's going to sign him because he thinks it would be a good deal for the team. Now, I think that's probably the case with most GMs, but I think there are sometimes teams that that do hang on to guys a little bit for um, sentimental reasons rather than only on the field production. And and I don't think Elway is going to do that, but we'll see. Um, I think you'll find him, he'll get a, a, a small extension, maybe a few years, a couple bucks uh, after the draft. I mean, that's my prediction. I doubt the Broncos go and get a cornerback in the first round, perhaps in the second round, third round, who knows? I mean, as as we've said many times, the draft is a total crapshoot um, and predicting the draft is is just is, is much more so. And you know, maybe the first round you can predict a little bit better, but second and third, it's not even possible. I, I think you can say guys who, hey, I might want to see this guy. I might want him. Maybe he falls, blah, blah, blah. Who knows? Um, but there are people who do get paid for that. They get paid literally to to throw names up on a board and say this is who's going to go where. I think it's just unbelievable when you see like these three three round mock drafts and and I mean it's just like come on I mean how do you how do you come up with that I, I just I get it that you have like the top 10 or top 15 talents that you you can kind of predict and kind of say who's going to go where but even then every year there's there's some guy or a couple that fall or they get picked way higher than anyone pre- expected you know teams surprise people with picks all the time and and I think it's kind of ridiculous honestly to start trying to predict who's going to go in the second or third round but again that's what we do and I, I understand why we do it I, I think mock drafts are kind of ridiculous but 
in this time of the year, what else do you talk about? I mean, there's not a whole lot happening. There's not a whole lot even in the the, the Broncos ownership news. I mean, usually there's something you can talk about with with you know John Elway or with the 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 ownership problems with Beth Bolin with with the the Bolin's brother Pat Bolin's brother what, what's his name I think Bill Bolin. Um, but it, it that's kind of slowed down a bit. I think that's going to be news for probably the next few years. Um, but right now, who knows? Who knows what's happening? No, no one really knows. I mean, it's an interesting offseason because I think you go in with very little quarterback controversy at the moment, at least. I think there are still a lot of, of um, split opinions about Drew Locke. I think some people really, really think that the Broncos are going to go after Drew Locke. I, mean, I think they're meeting with him. Either they met with him last night or or maybe it's this next week. I think they said Sunday and Monday. So I think they had two meetings, like, like a two-day meeting with Drew Locke, which I don't really understand. I mean, that, that's a pretty intense. I mean, do you, I, I kind of wonder, does John Elway have like a sleepover? You know, do they do they have s'mores? Do they have hot chocolate? Stay up and, and watch, uh, watch a, a fun movie or something together? You know, I can just imagine John Elway and Drew Locke, you know, in their, in their PJs, you know, maybe John Elway, you know, wearing, uh, I don't know, Big Bird, you know, or, or maybe like cars. He's got like cars, PJs, um, maybe even a onesie. Can you imagine John Elway in a onesie? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. See, see, that's how bad this is, right? That's that, that's how low we are right now with NFL or Broncos news. We're talking about John Elway in a onesie. But anyway, yes, they're meeting with Drew Lock for two days, which does it does dispel a little bit of my beliefs that they are not interested in him at all at number ten. Obviously, if they're meeting with him. And if they're meeting with him for that long, I think there must be interest. Either that or John Elway is the king of smoke screens. I don't think Elway has proven at all as a GM to be much of a, of a smoke screener. He hasn't, at least to this point. So, yeah, I think I think since they're meeting it with him, they must have genuine interest. And that, and that does surprise me. And I, I've said over and over and over that I don't think they're actually interested in him at 10. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, maybe he is a guy that they think can be the next franchise quarterback for the Denver Broncos. And and whew, we'll see. I think that it does make that pick much more interesting and intriguing. Uh, I mean, if you have Drew Locke there, and, and Drew Locke is not a top 10 talent. Now, now he can go in the top 10 because teams need quarterbacks. So he, he could be a guy that you draft because you need him. I don't think anyone would would believe or think that he's a top ten talent. I, he's just not, and so a lot of guys obviously fall, or excuse me, are, are what's the opposite of fall? Rise. They rise in the draft. That's the word I'm looking for. They rise because of their the team needs them. The team needs their position, or they need you know off you know always teams need a franchise quarterback. Now, if the Broncos go and and draft him because he is a need, or because they they see him as a guy who can be it, then that's the one position that you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to take that risk, but you sure as heck better get it right. And if we all believe, like like many people do, that John Elway is going to be done as a GM with the Denver Broncos after three years, he had, his contract expires, same with Joe Ellis after three years, then he's got to win now. And that means if he wants to win now, his prerogative is to put together a team that can win now so if he goes and gets Drew Locke it's not because he believes that Drew Locke is going to be a great quarterback in 10 years he would believe that Drew Locke is going to be a great quarterback in the next three and that he's going to be a better quarterback than Joe Flacco in the next three 
And I just don't know. I, I don't. I don't see that. I don't think Drew Locke is. He doesn't seem to be anything special. I think he could be a good talent. I think he could be a good quarterback. But there's nothing there that flashes. There, there's nothing there that's like, wow, this is this is it. This is the guy. And for some reason, his his draft stock has really risen, and it seems Haskins has really dropped. And I still believe that Haskins is the more surefire guy but but teams have seemingly lost some interest and I don't really know why I haven't heard any character concerns I haven't heard any injuries I mean it, maybe he was just getting a little more hyped before things actually happened than, than, than was the case maybe the media kind of fell in love with Haskins while the the, the scouts and the teams fell in love with Locke and, and that's kind of how it seems and so obviously you have Murray who, who likely will go number one overall and then it could be Drew Locke as your number two quarterback in the draft. And he could go really anywhere in the top 10. Now, I mean, several of the teams in the top 10 don't need a quarterback, but they they can always make a trade you know, back. And you have oh, just almost unlimited amount of teams that do want a future quarterback. I mean, how many, how many young franchise QBs are there in the NFL right now? Five, maybe? I mean, I mean name, name me five that you want to have now and in 10 years. There aren't many, not many at all. I mean, Watson, maybe Goff. In in ten years, who who else do I want in ten years? I mean, these young guys like Darnold and Rosen, maybe I don't know. They've had one year and they weren't that good, but they were rookies, so it's hard to say. Maybe they're guys that you want now and in the future, but it's too soon to say. So I mean, yeah. You would think these teams that just drafted a quarterback in the first round last year, you know, they've got their guy. But yeah, well, that's what we thought until Arizona seemed to be completely convinced that even after drafting Josh Rosen in the first in the top 10 last year, they're going to go and draft a guy number one overall this year. So the NFL is, is it's bizarre. It's crazy. Part of it is that you always have you have revolving doors with with head coaches and with GMs and with guys who want to come in and make the team in their own image and what they imagine, what they think is going to be successful. And then, you know, in three years or four or five or whatever, it works sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. And when it doesn't, then yeah, they probably get fired and you bring in another regime. And so even if you have a young quarterback, say like Josh Rosen or Sam Darnold, sometimes you only have one year. I mean, I mean the, who is it? Wilkins, right? Uh, Steve, no, Steve Wilkes in Arizona. He had one season as a head coach. That's rough. I mean, I get it. You have a bad, you have a bad year, but how bad of a decision is it to hire a guy and then fire him after one year? It's not much better for Vance Joseph. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I defended him a bit, but simply because you can't always be changing things for a team. Eventually, even if, even if it's bad, you have to stick it through and you have to say, okay, we're going to give this a chance. And it can't just be a year or two. Now, Sometimes, yes, I agree. It's if it's bad enough, if it's terrible, then you have to change it. And that just shows you how bad of a decision it was to hire Vance Joseph. If you hire a guy and then fire him after two years, and this is the same GM, this isn't a new regime. This is John Elway hiring him and then firing him after two years. How bad of a mistake is that? Is that a worse mistake than the Paxton Lynch mistake? That's a good question. Which was a worse mistake? Drafting Paxton Lynch and putting your future in, in his hands or hoping he would be your future or or having two years of a coach that you didn't really do your background checks on, you didn't really try to see if there was anyone else who, who could be a better fit when there were guys like Shanahan who was out there available. How bad was that decision? Brutal. 
And, and I'm I'm typically an Elway supporter, but that that's a rough, rough, rough choice. And now you go and you you refresh everything, and now you have a new quarterback, you have a new system, you have a new offense, you have a new defense. That's not good. Now maybe this system's better. I can't imagine it's much worse, but it's bad to continually always be changing your schemes because eventually players just they can't keep up with it. You can't keep changing things. I mean, that's why I was pro Vance Joseph, simply because I believe eventually you need to have that solid foundation. You have to have something to build on, even if it's kind of rough, and you have to give it a couple years. And one year for Steve Wilkes in Arizona, that's absurd. It's absurd. And now Josh Rosen gets brought into a, you know, a bad team with a coach who, who was already practically on his way out. It's bad management. It's bad management, and that and then it's the case in in any in any business. If you bring someone in and you try to train them, you know, you hire someone, some young kid who who has a lot of a lot of you know energy and and, and not a lot of it hasn't proven a lot. You know, they're still young. They're, they're, you don't really know what their work experience is, but they have a that they have that potential. They have that possibility. So you bring them into your company. And you say, okay, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna give them some time and see what their ceiling is. You know, see what they can do. See if they can learn this this business. Now, do you really believe that after one year, say say at BMW, BMW is kind of the big company here near Munich. And if BMW hires a young kid, you know, say a 20 year old, and says, okay, now you're gonna come in and we're gonna give you some time, obviously, to see if you're gonna be a good fit with this company. Now. Imagine coming into a company that has, you're hired into BMW and you're hired there with a, a group of people who are just not very talented and a manager who's you know not very good and probably not going to last more than a few months. I mean, are you really put in a good position, first of all, to, to be successful? Do you really think you're gonna, going to thrive as a business person in that, in that scenario? And then if you go out and, and, and okay, so the, the upper management comes in and fires everybody. And now you have to, to learn how to work with other you know, people, with, with other management, and, and learn how they want things to be done. And they change the software system, et cetera. That, that's, it's the same in football. It's not just you know, a blink and, oh, I got it. And it's going to be the same for the Broncos this year. You know, people predicting the Broncos would go 10 and 6. Yeah, right. I mean, sure, maybe they have a talented team, but you can't come in and totally change a scheme year in and year out and think that they're just going to pick it up. You can't have a quarterback come in typically in one season and just boom, he connects with his receivers and with his offense and with his coordinators. So if the Broncos are going to do anything, they must, absolutely must stick with this group of people as long as they can. You know, maybe some of the coaches get hired as head coaches. Maybe Scangarello is a is a wunderkind and he gets gets hired somewhere else. Now that that you can't deal with. But otherwise, you got to stay the course, stick with it and give this group a chance to win. And I I hope I hope and pray that that is what John Elway is going to do at least for the next 3 years until he's probably gone and then we could have a complete dynamite explosion of the Denver Broncos as we know it. All right, up next, Skipper Dude. He's going to go a little bit off topic and talk about one of our all-time favorite, beloved people, one of the people we just love to hear his name, love to hear his story, love to hear his stats. We love everything about him. Up next, Skipper Dude and Tom Brady after this. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thanks for having me on, Kevin. I am the Skipper Dude, proud Broncos fan since 1984. So today, I thought we'd take a quick break from talk of this month's NFL draft and discuss everybody's absolute least favorite subject. Is that dental hygiene? Nope. Is it toe fungus? No. Worse. Tom Brady. Uh, Of course, Tom Brady was in the headline of the news a week ago when he pulled one of the better April Fool's Day tricks in recent memory. First announcing his retirement on Twitter and then coming back later and, well, yeah. Um, but, but what was significant about this little prank, and I don't see it getting much attention, is the fact that his decision to play in 2019, in my opinion at least, is likely a game changer as far as the Tom Brady legacy is concerned, and probably not for the better. Or is it? That's what I wanted to explore today. So guys, Tom Brady will turn 42 before the 2019 NFL season kicks off this fall. To put that in perspective... Peyton Manning is only 43. Rob Gronkowski, who just retired from the NFL about three weeks ago, is only 29. Six NFL head coaches for this coming year. Sean McVay, Cliff Kingsbury, Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, Adam Gase, and Matt Nagy are all younger than Tom Brady. Vic Fangio is more or less twice as old as Brady, but that's a story for another day. And I'm going to fess up here that back in 2016, I made a bit of a stir by basically guaranteeing right here on Mile High Report that Tom Brady was going to hit the age 38 wall, technically at age 39, by the end of the 2016 season. And of course, two Patriots Super Bowl victories and a wild Super Bowl loss later, I'm still pretty well eating crow on that one. But, but, but I believe that when Tom Brady effectively announced, in a fun and backward sort of way, that he was returning for the 2019 season... He took a step over a certain threshold that every great quarterback comes to, and that is the threshold of his quickly declining physical skills. For me as a fan, my most enduring visual memories of most legendary quarterbacks typically come down to two. Number one, their greatest moment, and number two, their last notable moment, how they went out. For John Elway, of course, they they more or less meld together with the famous helicopter play during Super Bowl 32, and then the this one's for John moment following Super Bowl 33, with the Duke, of course, riding off into the sunset. Peyton Manning was not that much different. So many great years for in Indianapolis for Peyton, but only one Super Bowl win in Super Bowl 41 over the Bears, and then, of course, the capstone of his Broncos career in Super Bowl 50 over the Panthers. But if you think about a guy like Joe Montana, 
My, my enduring memories are, of course, the famous touchdown pass to Dwight Clark in the NFC, you know, 1981 NFC Championship game, but also of his hanging his head on the sidelines as a Kansas City Chief, broken down and pretty well washed up at age 38. Much the same for Joe Namath, rejoicing with his finger in the air after winning Super Bowl III, but then also sitting on the sidelines as the Los Angeles Ram with a towel over his head washed up and hanging on for too long. Or Brett Favre, who was almost painful to watch in 2010 at age 41 with the Minnesota Vikings. Many of these legendary quarterbacks simply hang on too long and it tarnishes their, their legacy. If you watched Tom Brady play last year, it was pretty clear that Father Time is catching up with him. Father Time is undefeated. He never loses. And while I wouldn't say that Brady's skills in 2018 had deteriorated as badly as Peyton Manning's in 2015, they weren't a whole, lot, a whole bunch better. And for me, at least, it's hard to see Brady's ceiling in 2019 being much better than 2015 Peyton Manning. But I suppose with a legendary mastermind of a head coach and a defense that is good enough to win games on its own at times, perhaps they'll find a way in 2019. But personally, I'm just not seeing it. I think this dynasty is on its way out. In fact, I go as far as to say that, that this New England Patriots dynasty, the, the, the greatest in the history of the NFL with nine Super Bowl appearances, six Lombardies since 2002, is starting to remind me of a bunch of punk kids who are borrowing daddy's convertible and driving it out on the prairie, top down, standing in the passenger seat, arms out wide, but with the fuel light on and 40 miles to the next gas station. And when they finally run out of gas and break down, oh baby, don't be expecting any sympathy from the rest of the NFL. And also don't expect Belichick to go through the pain of breaking in a new quarterback either. Gronk got out, Brady didn't. Brady had the opportunity to go out on top, like, like Elway and Peyton Manning before him. But with his tweet on April 1st, he's chosen not to. I, I know I didn't hear about Brady's April Fool's joke until after the reveal, but my first thought when I heard it was, oh, Tom, you should have retired. And I mean, as much as I hate the guy because I'm a Denver Broncos fan, you can't help but appreciate what he's accomplished as an NFL quarterback. I'm not here to trigger the greatest of all time debate. I'll leave that to greater football minds than mine. But Tom Brady is already the most accomplished NFL quarterback of all time, and there really isn't even a close second. There may never be a close second. So why put that at risk? Why play into your 40s? Why be driving daddy's convertible when it finally runs out of gas in the middle of nowhere? And, and as a guy myself who's in his early 50s, I've given this quite a bit of thought over the past week. And I think of what it comes down to is a matter of life's priorities. For guys like John Elway and Peyton Manning, their legacies, their reputations, their images meant everything to them. And they've worked their careers around that. For guys like Favre and Tom Brady, I don't think any of that matters. I don't think Tom Brady cares if his last moments as an NFL quarterback are not his best. If his last second on an NFL football field is the last second of a winning Super Bowl. I don't think if he, he cares if he holds on a half season too long. I think Tom Brady is going to soldier on and play into his 42nd year simply because he loves the game. He loves the mental challenge of a brilliantly crafted Belichick Josh McDaniels game plan. He loves stepping out onto the field on Sundays and strapping on his helmet. It's in his blood. It's what he was born to do. And I think he wants to squeeze every last ounce of talent 
out of his soon-to-be 42-year-old body. And honestly, Broncos fans, I respect that. I'd even go as far as to say I admire it. So, here's a toast to NFL legend Tom Brady. Tom, may your days be long and full of good health. May you play until you're 45. May your quarterback rating be below 50. And may the Patriots go 1-15, you cheating bastard. Kevin, back to you. Thanks, as always, to the Skipper Dude. I love the uh, mic drop ending there. Well done. Well done, Skipper Dude. Um, Before we get going with more Broncos talk, I want to talk a little bit about a story in the NCAA March Madness Tournament. I haven't followed it at all this year. I didn't even fill out a bracket. I, I just It's not really my thing. Um, but there was a story in the game, I believe it was Texas Tech against Auburn, and Texas Tech had a very famous person come in, an all-time great Texas Tech athlete, former athlete, came in and helped pump them up before the game. Apparently, it worked because they went on to win and are now in the finals. Who was this guest? Yes, it was the one and only, the voice, Patrick Showtime, Mahomes. Here's some exclusive audio of what went on in that Texas Tech locker room before the game. I love my elbows. Hey, take my ankles, please. I love my elbows so much I'm weak in the knees. Without these two, I'd sure be blue, I confess. Showtime Mahomes. Showtime Mahomes. Okay, okay. Yeah, you know you've got it bad when the only thing you can make fun of a rival quarterback is his weird Kermit the Frog type voice, but I couldn't resist. Um, yeah, so you're welcome for that anyway. Um, yeah, as for the rest of the Broncos news and what's going on, um, Always go over and check out the podcast done by Adam Alnati and Ian St. Clair, uh, the Mile High Mile High Report podcast. It's awesome. They've always got just fantastic information. Uh, the the la- ladies and guys all over at the at MileHighReport.com have the best material out there. It's really oft, oftentimes some in-depth stuff. They cover Anything and everything Broncos, so definitely go there for all of your Broncos needs. Um, you won't be disappointed. As far as as the draft, we've talked about it many times. I do think the only thing that's changed for me because of the Drew Locke interview that will last, I, I guess, two days with the, the Broncos, that does change my my belief that they weren't interested in him. It seems now that, yes, they are. Now, is that as the number 10 pick? Maybe. I mean, if you're meeting with a guy for two days, maybe at least you're interested enough to to meet with him and really find out, really see if he is the guy. Now, I still don't believe it, but I haven't met him. I haven't had two days of interviews with him. So if they come out of it and believe he's the guy, then sure, they go and draft him, and I'm okay with that. Give it another shot. But I still believe that Elway is scared to death to draft someone and to waste another top 10 pick on a bad quarterback, or I guess not another top 10, but a top 10 pick. And he has not had good success, obviously, drafting quarterbacks, even though, I mean, you know, Osweiler and Lynch are really the only failures you can count. But I I do think they're going to run with Flacco for the next few years and see what happens. And Elway will ride off into the sunset without having to deal with more crap about 
his quarterback issues. Um, I think they're going to go with a guy. I mean, it depends on who falls. I mean, if Ed Oliver is there, I think they go with Ed Oliver. If it's Devin White, I think, you know, if he's there, they probably go with him. Maybe even Devin Bush, maybe even TJ Hawkinson, the tight end. I mean, it's, it's, it's really up in the air. Nobody really knows. I, I really don't have a guess. I, I maybe now I'm, I'm leaning more towards Locke, but but I still, I don't love it. I don't think he's a top 10 talent, and I don't think you should pick a guy just because you need it. Now, if he, if you go in and meet him and he feels like he is the man, then okay, I'm okay with that. But otherwise, nah, don't don't ever draft for need. It, it never works. It, it's a bad idea. It just, it's, it's a panic move, and I don't think they should panic. You should get the guy, best player available for a position of need. And we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. And, and, and what's going on in Denver sports has made me think again, again with the Rockies. Um, the Rockies are tough. They're, what are they, three and seven now? They just got just drubbed at home by the by the uh, by L.A. L.A. is just unbelievable right now. And the the Rockies had issues on offense last year, and they knew it. And they were it was the worst offensive year in their history, but they had such a good pitching staff that they still made the playoffs, which is pretty incredible for anyone who follows the Rockies or baseball. It, the, the pitching doesn't really ever work at, at mile high, you know, at course field. And, and it did last year, but the offense really didn't click. You have a couple good players, but that was really it. And so they went out and really made one move. They got Daniel Murphy and that's just bad luck. That the guy broke his finger in the, I think the second game of the season, but, but they didn't really, make any splashy moves. They didn't really solve any problems. I think they went out and said, okay, you know, we were close last year. We made enough, you know, of an effort. We got into the playoffs. We we played a playoff series. I think we're good enough. And that's a dangerous idea. I think they, they really kind of seem to have believed that their pitching was good enough and that their young players would hopefully have a better season, even though they've never really shown that they have the ability or talent to do so. And that's, I think when you, when you stand pat as a team, it's never a good thing. Now people will say, yes, they brought in Daniel Murphy. They brought in one guy, but you also lost DJ LeMahieu. So, so I mean, maybe you're about even now and even's not good enough. And that's something that the Broncos, I think in the past seasons, that was their mistake too, that they, they decided that they were close. They, they had talent and they were close enough to be able to compete. They just needed a few guys to play above their talent level. I, for example, Case Keenum. And Keenum had already played above his talent level for Minnesota the year before. And so Denver, the Broncos, hoped and obviously believed that he could do it again. And that that's a it's a childish hope, I think. It's it's not a smart move to put your faith in players. In, in, in players that you just are hoping will outperform their actual talent or their, or what they have performed so far in their career. And, I mean, the Broncos have done it for the last three or four years. They did it with, with Trevor Simeon. Now, Simeon, yeah, you know, he did outperform his seventh-round draft pick status, and good for him. Good for him. The dude's still in the league. He, he was probably going to go and, and be a car salesman or something, for goodness sake. And the Broncos put their faith in a guy who who they just hoped was going to outperform it. 
Now, part of that was because, yeah, they made a huge, huge mistake with Paxton Lynch. But then they go and get Case Keenum, and they do the same mistake. They hope he's a guy who who will outperform his his skill level. Some guys are just they're just talented enough that if you put a great team around them, their level rises a bit. It rises enough. That's not good enough. Not in Denver. Maybe for the Rockies, unfortunately, but not for the Broncos. And so it makes sense that they went out and got Joe Flacco, but. What is Joe Flacco's actual ability? And that's a good question. I mean, no one really knows because, yeah, he does have the history. He does have a Super Bowl win under his belt. He does have a MVP, Super Bowl MVP placard on his wall somewhere at home. He's got a lot of playoff wins on the road. But it's been a while. It's been a while. I mean, really since that year in 2013 when they beat the Broncos in the worst game I've ever experienced, he's not been the same. He's been an okay quarterback. He's been a run-of-the-mill QB. Now, if you put a great team around him, maybe you know he can be, he can be good. And I think he does have a higher ceiling than Keenum. There's no doubt about that. And that's what this really ends up coming down to. This was really a one-for-one swap plus a fourth-round pick for a guy with a higher ceiling. He's got about the same floor as Case Keenum. You can't be much worse than Case Keenum was last year. You just can't. Flacco, though, does have the ability to, to win games. He's got the ability to make it to the playoffs and to be a good quarterback. He's shown it. He's also got a big arm. He's, he's, a, he's a better, at least, quiet leader partly because he has one in this league. How can a guy, even if Case Keenum is the nicest quarterback in the world, nicest guy in the world, really, and I like Case Keenum. I think a lot of people like Case Keenum. But when you haven't won, especially as a veteran, when you're a veteran guy and you, you really haven't done much, I mean, he won the one game against New Orleans in the in the, the insane last play of the game with Stefan Diggs and just the, the missed tackle by New Orleans. But... That was really more luck than anything. That the whole year he had a good year, but is that enough to earn the respect? Is Flacco is his? Does he have enough history to wash away his lack of success in the last few years? Players in the NFL look at success now. Yeah, it's also vocal leadership, and you need vocal leaders. I don't think Flacco is a vocal leader, though. So if he's not a vocal leader, you need to look at his experience. You need to look at his stats, his history, his his wins and losses, because that's what matters. And it's not great lately. I hope, we all hope, that Vic Fangio is the leader this locker room needs. But I firmly believe that you can't just have a head coach as the only one who leads the team. You need to have players. The the best teams have players that hold their peers accountable. Look at Tom Brady. Look at New New England. Look at Peyton Manning. Do you remember some of the teams around Peyton Manning in Indianapolis? They were brutal. Brutal. You remember his receivers? I mean, you remember like Austin Colley was his number one receiver for a time, I think. Just really crazy, crazy bad teams, but he still led them to the playoffs. And part of it is because when you have a guy like that, they, they raise all boats. Now, yeah, it's hard to find someone like that, but they're, they're, out, they're out there. They are. And if you're not going to have one great leader, then at least have a bunch of good men. 
guys who do their jobs, guys who show up on time. Now they're saying, yeah, last year, you know, oh, because of Joseph, no one showed up on time and they just got, okay, grow up. Grow up. Do you really need someone to hold your hand? Do these adult men need a coach to hold their hand and say when to be on time? You know, if I'm at a job, if I'm working at McDonald's, whatever, I don't care where, if I go in and, and, and my boss, does he have to tell me every day that I need to be on time? No. Jeez. Grow up. Football is, is it's a business, just like any other sport, just like any other, any other company. All of us have to do certain things. You have to arrive on time. You have to not get drunk the night before and show up to work and not be able to run. You can't be an alcoholic and perform to your highest abilities in any job. Except for maybe like podcasters. No, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm just saying. Some, some people can get away with it a little more like people who uh, talk for a living. But I, I, I go back to that over and over because I think that that is a real, it, it points a finger at the players on the Broncos team, not just the coaches. Yes, Vance Joseph too. The whole coaching staff was a nightmare. Agreed. But there needs to be guys also who show up and just do it themselves. Why on earth were there guys on the team, or many players on the team, it seems, who didn't show up on time? That's not a good culture, and it doesn't have to start as a, as a coach. You know, with the coaches, it should start with the players too. It should be everyone in that everyone in that building. Any good company, any good business has to have people who just do their jobs. It's not asking that much. I mean, these guys get paid millions of dollars. Yeah, it's a tough job, but you know what? It's your job. It's not only your job to catch the ball and and throw the ball and, and hit people. It's also your job to show up on time, to show up to meetings, to, to be there. And you know what happens to guys who don't? They're gone. Johnny Manziel, anybody? Even if you have talent. And that's the people the Broncos need. And hopefully, I mean, yes, hopefully Fangio holds them accountable, but hopefully he doesn't need to. For goodness sake. Interesting with the Denver Nuggets, losing a game on purpose. What kind of message does that send, I wonder? And I'm a big Nuggets fan. I've really followed them this year. I love Nikola Jokic. I don't think they're going to win any championship this season, but heck, I mean, geez, they're they're number two or three seed going into the playoffs. If they win one, one, one series, I'll be happy for this season. And they lost a game to Portland last night. Seemingly on purpose. That that's strange to me. I get resting players because I think they've had a long season. These guys have played the most minutes of their careers. I think a lot of them have. But I don't like the message it sends. I don't like that message of of we don't need to win every night. And they actually were right in the game. That their 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 scrubs were in the game with Portland. Who Portland needs to win. And the the Nuggets scrubs were were right in there the whole game. So props to them. But the idea of, yeah, you know, losing is better. Losing is never better. Tanking, sure, you know, maybe in the NFL it can sometimes work. But does it? Does it really? How often are these these top draft picks busts? 
yearly, yearly. And you're risking the culture of your locker room. You're risking the, the morality, the, the, the morale of your locker room if you lose, especially if you lose on purpose. Sometimes it works. Sometimes you need to blow a team up, but that's different. I mean, you know, if you go and, and, and you, you go full Chucky, as we say, you go in like John Gruden and just blow the team up, trade all the best players, get rid of all the salary, and rebuild. That's different than just trying to lose. And you don't really see that much except for in basketball, I think. Basketball, you really see teams that are out there to tank. They are out there to get the best players in the draft. But it's a lottery, too, which is you know kind of risky, I would say. And what do you do to the, to the mentality of the players on your team? I think if you purposely lose, you're telling everyone on your team that it doesn't matter to win. That, that you know what? This year is not important. And even if that's the case, you can't tell someone that. And what are these guys, you know, playing for? What, what are, who are the worst teams in, in basketball? I think teams like maybe, I don't know, I think maybe Phoenix or Washington. Teams that have no chance and that never wanted a chance. Teams that are just doing everything they possibly can to get Zion Williamson. Now, sure, it would be great to have Zion Williamson for the next 20 years. But it's a risk because everyone on your team right now has to lose at least some faith in your group because of losing. And I appreciate that with John Elway. Now, I don't know if it was even the right thing. I think sometimes rebuilding is different than tanking. I don't think anyone should ever try to lose, but I think sometimes you do need to rebuild, and I don't think John Elway did that. But I give him props. John Elway cannot suffer losing. Can't do it. And we should love him for that. We should love him for that. Maybe it hasn't always worked, you know? Maybe it hasn't. You know, Paxton Lynch didn't work. But you know what? It wasn't only John Elway. There were other teams who desperately wanted Paxton Lynch. Sometimes you don't know. Sometimes it's really hard to find a franchise quarterback. Really hard. Darn near impossible. But but Elway, we know with Elway, this dude ain't going to quit. He is not going to give anything but the best team he possibly can. And sometimes it's not a great team. And partly because he doesn't want to rebuild. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a win-lose situation. You lose because when you don't rebuild, it, it takes a bit of luck in order to, to find a winning place again. If you, but, but you also have a guy who, who isn't just going to suck for a couple of years in order to rebuild. And I appreciate that. And I think everyone should. The players should. Yeah, again, it hasn't always worked, but, but he hasn't just traded Von Miller. He hasn't given up on Chris Harris Jr. Derek Wolf is still part of the team. On and on and on. These players should buy in, and that's what you need. You need a locker room to buy in. You need guys on the team to say, hey, this is my team. You need guys like Von Miller coming out and saying, I want to be a Bronco forever. Forever. And hopefully he will. And if he does, 
you hope that he brings other guys with him. You he brings some of the maybe some of these youngsters are going to be here for forever too. Maybe you're going to hit on another undrafted free agent like Chris Harris Jr. or Philip Lindsay. Maybe it's going to be one of your top round picks who's going to be a stud. And if they're a stud, you want them to stay here. You don't want it to happen like Odell Beckham Jr. and leave to Cleveland for practically nothing. Now, Odell Beckham Jr. may be a head case, but he's a really talented receiver, and they didn't get anything. And part of it was because the New York culture is a disaster. What did they gain? Their fans hate them right now. They have an aged quarterback who hasn't been good in years. They have a couple more draft picks. So, yeah, maybe. Maybe they draft the next Odell Beckham Jr., but you know what the odds of that are? One in a million. So thank you, John Elway. Thank you for always trying to win, even if it doesn't always work. And I hope in the next three years, maybe the last of the Elway era, he can find the winning recipe because they're close. I don't think they're super close, but they're they're getting closer. They're getting closer. And we as Broncos fans should have some faith, have some fun, enjoy the next couple of weeks. The draft is coming up. I'm excited to see what they do. I have no idea what they're going to do. But let's give Elway one more chance. Three more years. Three more years to bring us back to glory. And best case scenario, bring us to glory and bring us a franchise quarterback so we don't have to deal with this for the next 20 years. That's all I got for y'all. I'll see you next Monday. Peace.